All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing. Marty Griffin's taking the week off, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. All right, Johnny, how you doing? All good, man. Excited for the MLB playoffs. Uh, week four is in the books. The regular season is over. Things are good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Um, glad to see that my pirates uh, are done so that I can stop just having this thing hanging over my head. I mean... So, we're going to... Trust me. Those The new listeners will get to the good stuff. But just a quick side note. they did, Your pirates just fired their longtime manager, Clinton Hurdle. Is scapegoat, but, man. But what about Huntington? Oh, yeah. They're no, attached Hunting- at the hip. Huntington's the GM. The, him and Hurdle have been attached at the hip, and a lot of the problems and the issues the Pirates had are coming are, from the front Are office. from Huntington making yeah. some horrendous trades over the years. Hello, the Chris Pirates Archer. were a playoff team yeah. only five short years ago oh, for no, multiple years in a row, and now yeah, they've yeah. turned them into one of the bigger losers in the Major League Baseball. And they have a couple young players, but they've made some horrific trades and... Most general managers in professional sports have to pay for those trades. Well, so this all stems from Bob Nutting not wanting to have a winning baseball team. He's not willing to spend the money that he has, that he makes, that he couldn't possibly spend his entire lifetime. But they didn't even need to spend the money. They just had to keep the developed players that they had. You know, of and course promote. you're talking about Tyon and Glasnow and Austin Meadows. Meadows. And, and even going back to a guy like Charlie Morton who's starting for the Tampa Bay who pitched the game 7 last out for the Houston Astros in 2017 who's starting the wild card game for the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow is a annual um, Cy Young candidate all-star pitcher in his older age but the Pirates just let him go. Yeah. I mean we've it's it's just a suck fest, really. Yeah. And uh, PNC is going to more than likely uh, give up the naming rights to the park here in the next uh, few years or so. So we'll see who wants to spend their money there. Uh, if the crowds are any indication, won't be much. But John, we do we digress. Yeah, we digress. So uh, let's get into. Our 35s, episode 35, season 2 of the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. Um, I'm going with a little bit of a strange one uh, here today. Not uh, not usually something in my wheelhouse, but as the resident hockey guy on the podcast, uh, I, f- I would feel remiss if we passed number 35 without mentioning Anthony James, Tonio Esposito, the Canadian-American professional ice hockey goaltender. John, I'm sure you've heard of his brother. Phil Esposito. Yeah. Certainly. Former yeah. Bruin. Absolutely. Big bad Bruins in the 70s, yeah. So Tony Esposito uh, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1988. Chicago Blackhawks player was the Calder Memorial Trophy winner. Uh, of course, that's the Rookie of the Year. And he also took the Vezina Trophy for Best Goaltender. And uh, also the was a runner-up for the Hart Memorial Trophy. And, oh, yeah, also won a Stanley Cup that year. He's one of, the, he's one of those guys that uh, revolutionized the position. He really um, 
was one of the forerunners of the butterfly uh, goaltending style, which of course everybody basically uses now. It's kind of the new standard. Uh, before they used to have things such as kick saves where they would just stand there and kick at the flying puck. Uh, and that's why guys like Wayne Gretzky were able to score so many goals. Um, was never able to uh, get back to the Stanley Cup. So kind of reminiscent of a guy like... Um, <clears throat> shit. Who was the guy from Carolina? Cam Ward. Mm. Reminds you of a guy like Cam Ward uh, who experienced, experienced so much success up front and was never able to get back to it despite having really good numbers throughout. Uh, I think just the makeup of the Chicago Blackhawks and also the dominance of, of uh, other teams such as the Islanders in that era um, really contributed to that. But he was a first All-Star team goalie uh, three years, second All-Star team goalie for two years, uh, three-time Vesna Trophy winner, um, member of the Can Canadian team for the Summit Series and the 1977 Ice Hockey World Championship Tournament. Uh, had his number 35 retired by the Chicago Blackhawks, and he did make the... Uh, NHL 100 list of greatest players. So, um, for lack of a better option, my number 35 is Phil S. Or <laughs> my number 35 is Tony Esposito. Johnny. All right, my number 35 just arrived in the mail today in time for the MLB playoffs. Looks good on you. I'm excited. I'm excited to root for the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Sox are not in it this year, so I, you know, I'm trying to. I've I've been buying a lot of hats, and I'm I'm just anyone except for the Yankees or the Astros. I'm all for so. I'm yeah, prepared. you got the uh, athletics hat. I got going A's here. hat. I got so many hats, dude. I'm, I'm out of control. I got a Cardinals hat. I got a Twins hat. Yeah, your wife looked real impressed the hat. other day when he told her how many hats he bought. Yeah, well, hey, whatever. <laughs> Uh, so my number 35 is going to be uh, Dodgers outfielder Cody Bellinger. So uh, not a whole lot to say about Cody Bellinger. Uh, he was born July 13th, 1995. Um, as I said, he's an outfielder slash sometimes first baseman for the LA Dodgers. He's going to be this year's National League Most Valuable Player um, when they announce it in early November, mid-November. Uh, two years ago when he came up at the beginning of 2017, he had a tremendous rookie season. Uh, bat batting 267 with 39 home runs and 97 RBIs in only 132 games. Uh, he capped that off by winning National League Rookie of the Year in his first year. He was also an All-Star that year. He was the, um, he, the Dodgers ended up making the World Series in 2017. And, and we all know in 2017, if you watch the playoffs, Bellinger was exposed for his big hole in his swing. So he set a major league record by striking out 29 times in only 64 bats in the 2017 postseason. Um, they just they found a spot. The pitchers found a spot to pitch Bellinger, and Bellinger couldn't get to it. And it got so bad to the point where the Dodgers had to sit him in some games, which just seems crazy because he's such a good hitter. But you know he was a rookie trying to figure it out, and he was exposed a little bit, but. 
it's since made him a better player, which is something I that I really like him because I'm a little late to the Bellinger party myself. I didn't, I wasn't a big fan when when I first saw him because I know that his his dad played for the Yankees, um, and, and you know, hating the Yankees, I, I couldn't have that, and. You know, he seemed a little cocky and arrogant for me, but now I've grown to like it. And I like the fact that he had a hole in his swing. He was exposed and he was embarrassed so badly against the Astros in the 2017 World Series. And in the two years since, he's come back and proven to be a better player. Last year, he played in all 162 games, which is a rare feat these days in Major League Baseball. Players don't play all 162 games, only like a handful do, maybe maybe 10. Um, but he ended up batting 260 with 25 home runs, 76 RBIs last year. Uh, this year, he's really taken off with uh, hitting 45 home runs, batting close to 300, a lot of stolen bases, RBIs. Like I said, he's going to be named MVP. Uh, he's already hit for the cycle once in his career uh, in 2017. Last season, he was the National League Championship Series MVP, uh, leading the Dodgers to the World Series. Uh, last year, again, eventually losing to the Red Sox, but... Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, he seemed pretty clutch last year. He also played in the 2007 Little League World Series for Chandler, Chandler Arizona. Um, that's a cool little-known fact. But that's it. I'm, I'm rooting for Cody Bellinger and the Dodgers in this year's playoffs. So, we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. My okay. 35. Okay. Moving right along. Uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, what we're looking towards the MLB postseason. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, I did my bracket and I posted it on Twitter. Acre Mountain Grinder, Green MT Grinder on Twitter. Okay, but I got to be honest here. It's not the smartest bracket in the world. And last year we did really well at this bracket, and a lot of it had to do with the Red Sox advancing, and a lot of us had the Red Sox. But this year I kind of filled out my bracket. I'm just doing one bracket, and I do did it with my my heart and what I want rather than what I think, because what I think and what I know is that the Astros are a fucking wagon and they're going to be a hard team to stop from getting to the World Series. And on the flip side, in the National League, the Dodgers are going to be a hard team to stop from getting to the World Series. So if you're betting and you want smart bets, go with the Astros versus the Dodgers. Those are the two best teams um, with very few holes, you know, as far as pitching, hitting, bullpen, defense goes. They're just so well-rounded. But um, here's what I'm hoping for. So we'll start with the game tonight. We have the Brewers against the Nationals. I've got the Nationals defeating the Brewers. And then tomorrow night, we have Tampa Bay at Oakland. Um, Oakland's one of the teams I like, so I'm going to go with Oakland. They're long overdue for a a playoff victory. Yeah, to be clear, because we're posting this on Wednesday, this is Tuesday night. It's Tuesday night, yep, so... And then that brings us to, let's start in the National League. Uh, The National League Series, we have the St. Louis Cardinals at the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves, although I think it's close. Um, The one X factor I think that the Cardinals have is pitcher Jack Flaherty, who had a sub-1 ERA in the second half and pushed hard for the Cy Young. If they could pitch him three times in this five-game series, I think St. Louis could pull it out. But... As it, as it stands, he's going to be used twice in games two and game five. Um, he's so good that I think they'll win those games, but I think they're, they're going to have a hard time pulling it out without Flaherty on the mound, especially because the Cardinals' bats tend to go through some serious cold spells. So I think the Braves are just a better overall team. So I have the Braves advancing. So that leaves us with the others, uh, the lower side of the bracket. We have the Nationals, like we said earlier. They're going to face the one seed, the Dodgers. 
Um, I do think the Nationals can compete with the Dodgers because they have the pitching with Strasburg and Corbin and Max Scherzer. However, I just think the Dodgers are too good. Like I said, they're too well-rounded. They've got the pitching too. They've got you know Kershaw, Ryu, the Walker, Walker, Bueller. Keep up. It should be a good series. I think it'll go five, but I do think the Dodgers pull it out. And then in the National League Championship Series, I've got the Braves against the Dodgers, and I have the Dodgers winning that series. I think I think that series will probably go six, maybe seven. Um, but this is, this won't be the last time we hear from the Braves. The Braves are a young team; and they've got a lot of good young players coming, so they'll, they'll be there next year and the years going forward. But I just think that this this Dodgers team has been to the World Series each of the last two years. And the fact that they had, you know, the best record in baseball this year and they set a franchise record for wins is impressive to me. Because if you look at what the Red Sox did after winning a World Series last year, they had a huge hangover and they fell off. And it would have been really easy for the Dodgers to say, you know, we've been to the World Series each of the last two years and lost. You know, why put in the same amount of work if we're just going to get to the end and then fall off? Yeah, but they're also super hungry there's nothing like getting to the mount there's nothing like getting to the mountaintop and not, not getting to suck on the tee to victory yeah so well that that leads me to why i have the dodgers in the world series um and back to the american league we have the minnesota twins at the new york yankees and this is a matchup that features the number two run scoring team versus the number three run scoring team in baseball and then the number one home run team of all time in the Houston Twins, who finished with 307 home runs this year. Minnesota. Yep. Versus number two home run team of all time, the New York Yankees, who finished with 306 home runs this year. Mm. So if you like runs, this will be a fun series with a lot of scoring. But the problem is that the Yankees have owned that Twins ass over the years. And the Twins can't even pull out a fucking game against these Yankees whenever they play them. It's just sweep over every single time. Sweep, sweep, sweep. But this year, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going with my heart and what I want. So I'm going to go with the Twins because I think this Twins team is a little bit different. They've been good from day one all the way through game 162. <clears throat> Their pitching is a little bit better than it's been in the past. The offense is clearly elite, and they have some really good bats. They have five guys who hit over 30 home runs. And, you know, as long as they can... I think as long as they can get one of the, early, one of the two first games in New York... They'll be okay. Just don't have to. Don't lose the first two in New York, because then I think you're in trouble. I think you gotta be able to steal one of those two in New York early. Uh, so I got the Twins taking the Yankees in five. So on a scale of one to ten, how emotional of a decision is that? Like, is this is is that game the one that is throwing off your whole bracket here and no. making you call it an an emotional bracket? No, because I've got the A's over the Astros. Oh well. Jesus. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, well, well, hear me out. The A's, A's beat the Astros six out of eight times in September. They know the Astros well. They play them well. And they've got some young pitching in the bullpen. Jesus Lizardo, who's a young, like, uh, ace in the hole, kind of like a young Jonathan Papelbon was the Red Sox in 2007. He was, like, their secret weapon. I see Jesus Lizardo for the A's being a similar type weapon. Um, so... And their, their fielding is unbelievable. They've got the good hitting. They make the playoffs seemingly every year, and they just never get out of it. So I'm going with the two teams who seem to struggle in the playoffs every year to finally advance this year and knock off two juggernauts. So I'm, I'm going to go with the A's, and I'm going with the Twins to play in the American League Championship Series. And then I have the A's advancing. The A's will have a home 
I, well, I don't know if that... No, the Twins would have home field advantage. But either way, I have the A's advancing. So I have the Oakland A's against the LA Dodgers in the 2019 World Series. And I'm going to go with the Dodgers in seven games. And I have the World Series MVP being number 35, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> Wraps it all up. So it was said, so shall it be done. Mm-hmm. You heard it here at Green Mountain Grinder. Uh, when you bet your house on his picks... Let them know you did. Yeah, because you got some plus money on those A's and Twins, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Switching gears here. What is your take on Vontez Perfect? Oh, I don't want to talk about him. For the rest of the season. Come on, man. You know I hate Vontez Perfect. So what is your take? My take is suspend him for life. Put that guy in jail. Like, give him a muzzle. Chain him to the wall. Yeah, he's not good. He's not even good. That's beat him with a stick. Like that's I don't. That's why f- he resorts to that nonsense. Ugh, dirtiest player in professional sports. Do you know that ever since the 2015 playoff Worse hit against Tom Antonio Will- Brown? Okay, you know how Antonio much Brown's I- never been the same human being. You know how much I hate Tom Wilson. Yeah. Worse than Tom Wilson. Yeah, he's a bad dude. But I, I think you have nothing to fear here. He's, well, maybe. He was suspended for the rest of the year, which is 12 games. He's going to appeal it, so they're saying he might get it down to eight games. Um, but even the, play, even the players don't even want him in the league. You know, like, just, Why would you? He just seems like a bad dude. Do you know he was a captain on the Raiders, too? Really? Yeah. They said he had turned a corner. The but. Raiders are fucking completely fucking up. They're all all of a sudden they're in the tank for two conversation. Well, the Raiders just had a, the blowout win at Indianapolis though. They're 2 and 2 now. Yeah, but I you got two wins, you're not tanking for two because there's a lot of zero win teams. Yeah. What the fuck is happening in the league? Like I feel like I don't even have a good grip on what's happening anymore. People I expect to Win handily, barely squeak it out or lose, and then teams that I expect, like the Browns, just totally owning that ass in Baltimore. So they changed, and this, if we're going to get into this game, so I, I need to apologize to the Browns, I think, because, you know, I slammed the door on them, and I said that they were a stupid team with a stupid coach and bad offensive line, which is which is true, but... They decided to change the way they were playing, and instead of just letting, not running the ball enough and not running enough short passes enough, they were just letting Baker Mayfield chuck it down the field to Odell Beckham, and not really using the short passing game um, to overcome the bad offensive line. Uh, they decided to use the short passing game and run the ball with Chubb, and look at that! Look at that! It worked out unbelievably well. And they went to Baltimore, Amazing, and they man. got they got a victory. And now they're in a good position. Not a great position. They're in a better position than they were with that victory. And I think it just tells Freddie Kittens that, hey, you, you know, if you run the ball and you work on the short passing game, this can this can work. Because they do still have talent. And, you know, I think that the, the coaching and the offensive line were the issues that were holding them back. And But I also think that this is a statement against the Ravens. And the Ravens aren't the team that we all thought they were. Because no. Lamar Jackson, like I said, his good games where he, everyone was like, oh, look, he can throw the ball now. Look who's going to be MVP this year. That was against Miami. He scored 59 points against Miami. And yeah. the last two weeks against Kansas City and at home against these Cleveland Browns, 
he looks like he can't throw the ball again. Well, you, you see what the Steelers did to the Bengals yesterday. So, it's the same thing. So I'm giving the Browns credit. It looks like they've, they've turned a corner, they've wisened up, and we'll see where they go from here. Because I'll tell you one thing. Even though they used Jarvis Landry a lot and they ran with Nick Chubb and he had three rushing touchdowns and over 100 yards, Odell Beckham only had two catches for 20 yards. How long do you think that, that he's gonna, that's going to work for him until he starts opening his big mouth saying, this isn't working for me, I need more? Not too long. It could go either way because his best friend is on the team. And, you know, if if everyone's eating and you're winning games, everyone's happy. Of course, he's an egomaniac, yeah. so maybe that's not going to be enough for no. him. But 30 catches on the season will not be enough for Odell Beckham. <laughs> he needs more. So they're going to have to find a way to feed all the mouths the necessary mouths. They're going to have, I mean, they're going to have to, to win the, to win the games that they need to win, the tough games on the road, the division games on the road. They're going to have to use more of Nick Chubb in the running game, and they're going to have to use more of Jarvis Landry in the short passing game and sprinkle in the balance of finding how, when to go deep and get the ball downfield to Odell Beckham or even get cute with some, maybe a reverse play or, you know, something along mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage for him where he can run after the catch. But they're, they're going to have to find some sort of balance because, it, you know, once Odell starts his yap, and then they'll have a whole new set of problems. But it was a good win for them. I give them credit, and I apologize for putting them in the tank so early. Um, they did win that game, forty to twenty-five, and they were seven-point dogs in that game. So and and it only the game only appeared that close in in the score. It was you know the Ravens had some garbage time action. The, Br- the Browns won much more handily than the score would even yeah. say. Uh, well, let's get into the week that was. And uh, I suppose no better way to get into it than with our clip of the week. Enjoy. Conditioning is training with your uh, trainer on your own and on Instagram is not, you know, the same as Von Miller coming down your throat. So got to see where he is in terms of that. I also reported that uh, it is not his preference to... All right, and we're back. So, John, I imagine um, you'd need to do a ton of training to handle Von Miller coming down your throat. He looks like a really big gentleman. Yeah, I don't know that, what kind of training that is. That's a lot of cum. It's a lot of training. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that was completely silly. Um, that was, oh, shit, what's her name? Dracina Anderson. Dracina Anderson? Uh, on on Melvin Gordon holding out and uh, claiming that he's been training with his people and he's in tip-top shape and ready to go. Uh, it was a weird week because they said that he was not going to play when he first announced he was coming back, and then Justin Jackson, the backup running back, was announced in a walking boot, and they said that they would sprinkle in Melvin Gordon and he would get like 10 touches. Even up until like an hour before, hour hour and a half before game time, they were saying that Melvin Gordon would be, you know, used sparingly and sprinkled into the game. And then, sure enough, game comes. Melvin Gordon does not play at all. So I don't know what the hell they thought they were doing there, but they were trying to get cute. Um, didn't matter. Austin Eckler had a big game. The Chargers were playing at the Dolphins. So who really gives a fuck if Gordon played or not? Uh, the Chargers won 30 to 10. Move on to next week where it seems like Melvin Gordon will be um, eased back in. I think he'll probably get 15 to 20 touches uh, next week, but who knows? They lied to us all week last week. 
quick quick segue here. Um, what do you think? I mean, this is the biggest tank job we've seen since the Suck for Luck Colts. Like, what? What do you think the chances are that the the Dolphins completely fucking whiff on this and the Tua pick winds up going to, you know, Washington? The- well, they so they play each other in a couple weeks, Washington and Miami. And that so it'll be an interesting game to watch from the perspective of the loser bowl. Who want who tries to lose harder? You know, like who's like I don't want the ball. You take it for an interception or for a touchdown. No, no, no. We don't want the win. You take the win, <laughs> right? Because that's what they're trying so hard for this year, especially the Dolphins. It's known, but I think the Redskins are getting the the whiff of you know what. We should too. We've needed a quarterback for some time. We should also be be tanking here. It doesn't look like Haskins is very good. He, Jay Gruden clearly hates him. He doesn't doesn't use yeah. him much and was not happy to use him last week against the Giants and wouldn't commit to using him this upcoming week against the Patriots. So uh, clearly Gruden doesn't like Haskins. I don't know if Gruden's going to be much longer for this Redskins team. But I don't know how you keep your job after that performance. I don't know. So I'm just saying that'll be interesting to watch, that loser bowl. The Dolphins and the Redskins, which is coming up. Um, which week is that? Oh, it's in two weeks, week six. October 13th at 1 o'clock. You'll have the winless Redskins at the winless Dolphins. <laughs> you heard it here first. Something to look forward to. <laughs> All right, well, let's just get right into the week that was. We'll start with uh, Philadelphia heading into Green Bay. This was one of our contested picks, Marty's contested picks, from uh, last week's podcast. Uh, Johnny, you predicted the backdoor cover with Philadelphia. Um, they wound up winning outright 34-27. to Yes, they did on a short week. They needed the game badly. They were 1-2. and two. They were looking at 1-3. and three. Uh, square in the in the face if they didn't win and the Packers were going to be 4-0 so they needed this game awfully bad um, they played very well however Aaron Rodgers had multiple chances from the goal line and the one yard line and for the Packers offense to get it into the end zone and tie the game and just they, fucking they failed Carol'd it. numerous times by just passing it passing it and Jimmy Graham maybe could have caught some questionable tough balls but the play calling was questionable, but I, I more than anything, I'm impressed with the way the Eagles played and responded on a short week, going into an undefeated Green Bay and pulling out the victory. So the Eagles are alive, back in it. They're two and two, and uh, good win for them. Okay. Uh, we had Tennessee heading into Atlanta. Um, you had chosen Tennessee. Uh, to cover minus four, they of course also won outright. Uh, it really looks like the the whole ship is just sinking, uh, and, and Matt Ryan's going to be the last person off of that thing. And I don't know. They just don't run the ball. They ignore the running game, in Atlanta, and the defense has gotten bad. And Quinn and Dan Quinn is going to get fired. Like we mentioned, talked about last week, he he is he's lost grip, control of, of this team and what it needs to do. Um, Turd Cutter, the offensive coordinator, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. 
it's just you have to. They have a good running back. They have a pretty okay offensive line, or at least a veteran offensive line. You you can't just let Matt Ryan go back there and chuck it 50, 60 times every game. I know he has good weapons and Julio and Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper and Mohamed Sanu, but Matt Ryan isn't hasn't always been the smartest quarterback when it comes to these decisions or the most efficient quarterback and relying just on one phase of the game to get you there is not a recipe for success. And I just don't understand how more people don't see this down there. And they're just continuing to play this specific style. And anyone, any coach worth his salt or in, in weight can see what they're doing. And it's leaving the Falcons exposed. And now they're starting to, to lose games they shouldn't be losing. So, Well, you can't get the deep ball going unless you get the run going. Because, you know, that's how you open up the play action. And uh, you get some time for to get your receivers downfield. Uh, and I think the... The line in Atlanta isn't what it used to be, and and the O line, and um, he's just not not able to get anything done. The the play calling is poor, and uh, the whole the whole attitude there is um, seems to me to be a, a little bit of losing football. It's unfortunate because like like you said, there there's talent there on the on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. and I think like a lot of teams in the NFL, coaching is doom is is dooming them in. Okay, moving right along, the game we already talked about, Cleveland at Baltimore, uh, coming in and just laying a bunch of brown pipe uh, at the Dirty Birds. And uh, Baltimore was a seven-point favorite going in. You had chosen them to cover that, Johnny. Um, Quite the opposite. Yeah, the brown stuck it in my face. They stuck the brown in my face. Uh, New England at Buffalo, man, Buffalo really put up a lot bigger of a fight than I thought they were going to. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's a, there there are no explanations in the win or loss column, only the tally mark. I really think if Josh Allen had the opportunity to continue in this game, he really could have no uh, pulled Mike, it Mac Barkley was the best quarterback on the field that day. Josh Allen was fucking terrible it was a pleasure to watch him play because he was making terrible decision after terrible decision his his short throws were 10 to 15 yards his four yard throws were 10 to 15 yards off now all he can do is throw the ball deep and when he throws the ball deep he keeps getting intercepted he makes bad reads he you know he all he can do is run and chuck the ball down the field and frankly i i expected more and when Matt Barkley came in, I thought Matt Barkley was definitely more of a threat than Josh Allen was. To be clear, you said best quarterback on the field. So you're saying Matt Barkley's performance yes. was better than Tom Brady's? Absolutely. Tom Brady was terrible. He was terrible on Sunday. Special teams came in huge for them, though. Yeah, Brady was terrible on Sunday. And Brady has these games occasionally, and I think... I don't, I don't need to make excuses for him. Everyone has a bad game every once in a while. But I think that you know Edelman and Gordon came into the game and they were already banged up. And you know Brady knows that without Antonio Brown and you know Gronkowski on the team, it's going to be a long season and it's probably not worth it to run 
Edelman and Josh Gordon into the ground and get them hurt this early in the season when those are two guys that the Patriots are going to need later uh, so in the season. You're taking the scheduled loss. No, no, no. So he was targeting Dorsett. He targeted Dorsett nine times, which is unusual, only completing two of them, two of the passes to Dorsett. But Dorsett was his first read a number of times over over Gordon, over over Edelman. And there were times when they were open, and even like Ryan Izzo, the tight end, was open, or you know, running back would be open in the flat, and he was just forcing the ball. And he seemed sped up, just out of sorts on Sunday. He, like we've seen sometimes from Brady in the past when he gets he's a little skittish from getting hit too too many times. Like we've seen it in Denver before, but he didn't get hit that much. He only got hit. Four times total in the game, and was only pressured on 25 percent of the uh, of, of the passes that he dropped back for, which is very normal for a quarterback in the NFL. Anything over 40 percent is is the danger zone. So to only get pressured on 25 percent of his snaps, you wouldn't think that he would be so skittish, but it, he was, and he was off. And I, I don't really know why. I think he's not happy with how the Antonio Brown thing went down. I think he wanted the Patriots to keep Antonio Brown. I think that's pretty clear uh, by his comments that he thought, he thinks, well, you know, the the Chiefs are, are letting the NFL take care, care of Tyreek Hill and they're hanging on to him. Why couldn't we just let the NFL take care of Antonio Brown and we hold on to him because we're going to need him later on in the season. Clearly, Brady was a big proponent of Antonio Brown, and he's still liking some of his posts to this day. Some of Antonio Brown's ridiculous posts, Brady is still liking them. So I think Brady is upset about it. Whether that led to the bad game, I don't know. I just think that, you know, and Brady clearly was not happy after the game. He acted like the, the team had lost. He said, you know, he didn't get much sleep that night. Looking at the film sucked. He said, you know, just the whole the whole day in general sucked, and he has to be better. And he does, but I'm afraid that the Patriots just don't have the weapons offensively. And there's talk now today, a lot of talk today, about Stephon Diggs maybe being traded. He's all of a sudden following followed Brady, Edelman, and James White on Instagram. And he's posted some cryptic, uh, you know, the... the that's uh, that's the, some deep web shit you're into, John. He posted on, on his Twitter <laughs> page the uh, yellow the yellow face with no mouth and the two eyes today. And he was almost like posting a goodbye message to Thielen, like, we'll, we'll always be brothers. Um, so d- there's talk that Diggs could get traded or Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so we'll, we'll Ooh, see. Manny Sanders to the Patriots. Well, the Broncos are 0 and 4. He's getting paid 8 million dollars this year. So, I mean, what's the point of using him when the Broncos aren't going anywhere? And in a similar fashion, the Vikings are 2 and 2, so they're in it in it in the NFC. However, they're running they're committed to running the ball now. And the receivers aren't happy. I don't know if you saw Adam Thielen rip Kirk oh, Cousins yeah. this week and the offense and so the, 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 rece- the ball. right, the receivers are not happy. Well, we'll, get, the in, we'll get into that. So anyway, what I'm saying is that I, it, that could lead to either whether it's Diggs or Thielen or Emmanuel Sanders. Um, the Patriots were willing to give up a first-round pick this year for Antonio Brown to the Steelers. It didn't come to fruition, but it just shows that they were willing to give up a first-round pick for talent. So I think that they are looking for something. Now on the flip side, the special teams, aside from Gostowski, was very good. Uh, Jake Bailey can punt his ass off, Robo Punter, and the defense looks legit. I, granted, the the competition hasn't been great the first few weeks, but the defense looks really good. So 
You know. So, so let's the get thing, it. The thing that pisses me off, Ernesto, about the Patriots, and I know I'm a Patriots defend the wall guy for life, but Brady's starting to piss me off with the with the lack the the lack of attention that he gives to the any receivers or any targets who are under 25 years old. It pisses me off. You had like Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers and any rookie that comes to the Patriots organization, they get ignored. And he even said on Jim Gray's halftime Monday Night Football show last night that you know you can't you shouldn't have to rely on rookies under the age of 25 to have to produce or do anything for your team. And I just think it's kind of laziness on Brady's part to, to not want to work with them and to only – and it's limiting, right? So you're only going to throw to guys who are over 25? Well, I guess it's a good thing Ben Watson, who's 38, comes back this week to play tight end because they could use him, and he's over 25, thank God. But they've got talented guys like Sony Michelle. They never throw to him. Why are you spending a first-round pick on a running back that you don't even throw to? So every time he's in the game, it's like, alert, alert, alert. The Patriots are running the football with Sony Michelle. They will not throw the ball to him. It, it, just, it makes no sense. So I need to see more out of Brady in this offense going forward, or I'm going to start to lose some steam on the Patriots this year as far as winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would be remiss if we didn't include in this recap of the game uh, that Frank Gore, at 36 years old, ran for 109 yards on 17 carries, becoming the second oldest player to run for 100 yards in a game. Uh, his performance made him the fourth player in NFL history to break 15,000 yards rushing and he has 15,021, putting him a mere 249 from passing Barry Sanders as the third leading rusher in league history. And I don't think there's a single person on the planet who thinks that Frank Gore is a better running back than Barry Sanders. Nope. But He's been around forever, though. Longevity has its perks. There is no way Frank Gore is not enshrined in Canton. By the time this oh, thing sure. is all over. He's got the numbers. He did the time. And uh, congratulations to the elder statesman, Frank Gore. All right, moving right along. We had Kansas City at Detroit. And God damn it. John, this was way too close. Detroit should have won the game. I mean, I didn't get to watch the entire game. But they had some chances at the end. The Chiefs came back, scored late. Uh, the rushing touchdown to go ahead with around a minute to go, but Detroit had the lead pretty much the entire game. Mahomes didn't throw for any touchdown passes. Everyone expected this to be a huge game for Mahomes and a first playing first time playing in a in a dome for him. So everyone thought it was going to be a big day for him, but it really it, it wasn't. The running backs had a bigger day, and the Lions just they played well at home. And maybe the Lions are better than we think. Uh, moving along, and I did forget to mention that the New England-Buffalo game was one of Marty's contested picks, and he actually came out on top of that one as the Patriots only won by six, and the line was seven. But I had Buffalo. You're right. Yeah. I'm a total idiot. Go ahead and scratch that. Sorry, Marty. So, John, you're up 2 nothing. At this point, heading into our next contested pick, Carolina at Houston. And working out aces for you again, 
John 8th, as the Panthers win 16-10. to Kyle Allen goes home. He didn't light it up, but he looked good. And Houston, Houston just can't get over the hump, man. And Deshaun Watson and his offensive line, they get sacked way too many times. Carolina's defense is real. Uh, Kyle Allen makes some really nice plays. He made a nice play to win the game with McCaffrey and the quarterback who actually uses his receivers down the field. I think that the Panthers might actually be starting to become a threat this year. When we Without like, Cam Newton. Without Cam Newton. I think they want to keep Cam out. He, gotta... he doesn't throw the ball well. <laughs> and if he's not going to run, he, what does he do well? Nothing. Grandma, what big eyes you have. Yeah. Kyle Allen time. Okay. It's a good win, a win at Houston, man. I mean, granted, no matter what Houston's offensive line situation is, they're still a year-to-year playoff team with an elite quarterback. So to hold them to 10 points at their home and win there, that's uh, something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, moving along, despite losing Vontez Perfect in the second quarter, uh, Oakland managed to defeat Indianapolis... 31 to 24. This was um, a very big surprise, I think, to a lot of people because the Raiders had seemed to be hit the tank the tank button and then they go in and they just they stomped on the Colts from the get-go, jumping to an early 14-0 lead and then it was 24 to 10 right after halftime and the Colts came back late to make it a little bit, little bit closer. But um, I don't know who it says more about the Raiders being... Better than we thought, or the Colts being worse than we thought. I think the Raiders are just inconsistent, maybe with some talent, so they can win some games or play better in some games that you think. But for me, this was a—I guess it was a bigger letdown that the Colts would lose this type, this type of game at home. Uh, the Colts seem like they're a more talented team, and they should win this type of game. So. I'm disappointed in the Colts. Yeah. And you can't really blame it on Jacoby Brissett. He went 24 for 46, 265 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the one interception. And he started poorly. They let him. It was, you know, you let the other team come into your home and get ahead of you like that. And he didn't put up, like, those numbers until the end. You know, like, those are more like uh, garbage time window dressing on a bad day. Do you know what I mean? Like he didn't, he didn't come up firing. Like he was able to salvage something of his day personally, but for the team, I think that he let his team get behind the eight ball. Okay. Heading right into our next contested pick, we have the Los Angeles Chargers at Miami. Uh, Miami getting sixteen points in this, and you picked the Chargers to cover, which they did. And Marty took the Dolphins here. Marty took the Dolphins. I'm surprised by that. I think he thought they were going to have a little bit of a bounce back, kind of expecting the Chargers to, to underperform. Well, the, to be fair, Miami had the lead for a little while. And so they, they had a, what was it, a 10 to, 10 to 7 lead in the second quarter, but then the Chargers scored late, late before the half and. Then they took a 17-10 lead into halftime, and then they just added on to it 13-10. and 
So I'm sorry. What, what did I say? Seventeen to ten. Yes, no. Seventeen to ten at halftime. Then it was twenty to ten at the end of the third, and then in the fourth quarter they put it away, thirty to ten. But it was close. It was a close game, and I'm surprised that Miami hung as long as they did. But I don't know. I think the Chargers take them lightly. The Dolphins try a little bit harder. It's got to be embarrassing. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough look because there's. A bunch of people in that organization who are not trying to tank. Right. Who are trying well, their mean, hardest. They're they're, trying, they're just trying to keep their jobs. Right. The pros who get paid millions of dollars, and, you know, they don't want to put this horrible, horrible tape out there for all these other teams to see, you know, when it comes to, you know, time for them to get new contracts again. They don't want to be looked at as a guy who quit on, on plays, you know. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Okay, uh, the Redskins went into the New York Giants and... The Wayne Gallman show. Yes. So Gallman had a decent day taking over for Saquon Barkley. You know, he definitely didn't have a Barkley day, but he did score two touchdowns. And the Giants did enough to win. I thought Daniel Jones looks better than Eli. He did still throw a couple, multiple three interceptions in this game. And he throws some questionable balls in the coverage, but that comes with being a young cornerback in the NFL. But for me, this game said more about the state of the Redskins is very poor right now. Very poor. Like, they were just non-competitive in this game from the get-go. From the start of this game, Keenum sucked early. He threw an interception early. And then they brought Haskins in, and Mm -hmm. he turned it over. And the Giants' defense sucks. Three interceptions. The Giants' defense is not good. And they made the Giants' defense look like the 85 Bears for a day. Just the, the Redskins couldn't do a goddamn thing offensively. It was embarrassing. So give credit to the Giants for getting a win at home. Uh, the crowd was really into it. I definitely watched some of this game because uh, a friend that we had over was watching this game on his phone because he's a Giants fan. And the crowd was going crazy, and they're all excited about their new-look Giants. But... For me, I take the, my take out of this game is that the Redskins are really, really fucking bad. There's a lot of bad teams out there. Yep. Okay. Then we have the Seahawks heading into Arizona. Arizona getting uh, five points. This was one of our contested picks. You had picked Seattle uh, minus five. Marty said, no, thank you. You won handily, 27 to 10. Yeah, I was a little surprised by this game too because like we mentioned last week, the Seahawks and Cardinals are a division rivalry. They usually play close games. And Arizona, that dome can be has been a house of horrors somewhat for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and that organization. But they didn't mess around at all on this day. They went in there and they took care of business. Russell Wilson had a very big day. And Chris Carson had a great bounce-back performance after his fumbles the week before. He, he had uh, tons of broken tackles, and he was making guys miss left and right. And I think he uh, re-announced his presence with authority as the lead running back on this team. Um, he was phenomenal. Carson and Wilson were phenomenal. And on the flip side, uh, Kyler Murray's got to get it going, or he's in danger of not being good because defenses are starting to get a book on him on 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 their Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and their style of play and they play a lot of plays but 
they're not being productive enough. They're not putting enough points on the board in these games. They're running some a lot of plays, but they're just not getting in the end zone. And I don't I don't think the Cardinals thought that they were going to be eight and eight or better this year. I think they knew it was good. Pardon me. They knew it was going to be a learning process. But I don't know. I just think that it's going to be tough for them. Next up, we have what the fuck was this game? Tampa Bay at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams were supposed to get 10 points. He picked the Rams to win. And somehow Jameis Winston's able to put put up 55 hmm. to 40. What the fuck? This your shock of the week? Happened. Yeah. So I'm afraid to say it. Is Bruce Arians... Is he making Jameis Winston a good quarterback? Because this oh. is two weeks in a row, and this is seven touchdowns in two weeks for Jameis Winston. I don't want to say that. Is he? Is Jameis Winston becoming a good quarterback I think because Bru- of Bruce Arians? I think Bruce Arians is a good offensive coordinator, but... Is he making Jameis great again? Ugh. tell you, Evans and Godwin look like absolute studs on the outside, and they, they're not even using O.J. Howard at tight end. <laughs> and this is a good Rams defense. Did the Rams overlook the Bucks? Absolutely. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the Bucks are now in it at 2-2, two and two, so they've got a tough game coming up this week against the Saints. I think that that will say, that will give us a clearer picture of what we're dealing with here as far as Arians and Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers. Uh, the one thing's for sure, the Buccaneers' defense is still very bad, so feel you definitely want to be targeting the Buccaneers' defense for your daily fantasy plays, uh, for quarterbacks and wide receivers and even elite tight ends. But maybe the Buccaneers have an offense to go with it. So uh, we'll see. And then, oh, this was painful to watch. Minnesota at Chicago. Chicago is getting two and a half. I didn't um, watch. Oh. <laughs> I know Trubisky got hurt, and he they thought he would need surgery on his left labrum by his shoulder, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. But he is going to be out multiple weeks, so it's the Chase Daniel show for the next couple weeks. Chase Daniel looked good in this game, I think, so, you know, for Chase Daniel. But He's it, moving the ball. The Bears' defense is great. I think that's the takeaway here. And the, Vi- oh. and the Vikings I have major Feeding. offensive problems. The Vikings have major offensive problems, and, and I don't know if they think this is 1972 where all you do is run the ball and the forward pass hasn't been invented yet, but the forward pass ha- has been invented. It's have you two- seen the Steelers' new offense? It's 2019. <laughs> you have, you're paying your quarterback an insane amount of money. So much money. Along with two highly paid receivers, and you're not using them. All right, so let's get into this. Thielen's comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a quote directly in front of me here, but he, oh, he basically said... Well, we just we need to have somebody to be able to throw the ball. I mean, they're being the comments are they're being critical critical of the offensive coordinator Stepinski. They're being critical of the coach uh, Zimmer. Who are, those are two old school guys, and I think that they maybe have forgotten about the forward pass. But Dalvin Cook's a great back, but like if you go one dimension on the NFL, like we've mentioned a thousand times. It doesn't work. You have to be able to do both. And maybe they're afraid of Cousins. Maybe they're afraid Cousins is going to revert, is going to just 
he maybe they think he's just going to be what he was at the end of the year last year, someone who throws the game away. If you throw the ball 50 times, he's just going to throw it away. Maybe that's maybe they're just they don't want to deal with that. They I don't, don't know. They don't want to put the game in his hands. But but they have to find a balance. Because mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook's going to get stuffed at the line, and Kirk Cousins throwing the ball 20, 25 times a game. That's that's less than the Seahawks threw last year, which is crazy. I don't know. That defense for the Bears is the truth. Though. It is good. It's very good. And yeah, we'll talk about next week's schedule. Um, okay, so moving into the final midday game on Sunday, um, the Jaguars heading into the Broncos. Gardner Minshew. Gardner gets it Minshew. Done again. Fucking, it's Gardner fucking Minshew time, man. Yep. And uh, hello, Leonard Fournette. Welcome back to the NFL. We haven't seen you in two years. Yeah, absolutely. 225 yards for Fournette. It had been a long time since we've seen him run like that. So, and the Broncos suck. Oh, they suck so bad. Which makes me feel even worse for uh, losing to them for so long. But on the bright side, Cortland Sutton look like, looks like he's an up-and-coming, nice young receiver for them. And Sanders still looks great and quick and elusive, but they're probably going to trade him somewhere. Yikes. Oh, and the news came out today that um, last year's first first round pick, Bradley Chubb, is out for the season. So we've been wondering why haven't the Broncos defense? Why isn't their defense getting any pressure on quarterbacks this year? It doesn't make sense. They have Von Miller. They have Bradley Chubb. They've always been good defensively. What the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, now it's only going to be worse without Chubb. So that's it. Moving on. Sunday night game. All right, the Sunday night game, also a bit of a letdown. It was boring. I was expecting this to be a little bit more high-flying. We need Marty to explain himself here. Uh, maybe this is the reason why he took the night off. Yeah. <laughs> he seems to think the season's over. Yeah, well, I just I came across the usual stat that we always see today, which is, what is it, when... Let's go. Let's take a look at it because I think I sent it to um, to you guys and Marty earlier today. Ezekiel Elliott he went has rushed for seventy five or more yards in thirty six of his forty four career games. That's eighty two percent. Next closest active running back, Adrian Peterson, is at only sixty percent. So that's pretty fucking good, right? Well, when Ezekiel Elliott has gained seventy five or more yard rushing yards in a game, Dak Prescott. Is thirty and six as a quarterback. Pretty fucking good. We'll take thirty and six. However, when Zeke has been held under seventy-five rushing yards, Dak Prescott is only one and seven. Wow. Pretty fucking bad. That's pretty fucking bad. Zeke Elliott had less than seventy-five yards in this game. I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty simple to me. Get first that they need to get Zeke Elliott his yards. Second, let Dak be a compliment. Don't. Have Dak be the main point of attack, and then go to Zeke. No, you gotta work Zeke, 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 and then sprinkle in Dak. Yeah, it's, he's, it's he's like an, that. He's another one of those backs that does better with work. Volume, more volume, yeah. absolutely. And when and with the more he gets forgotten about, the less of a factor he is as the game goes on. You know, he, it just seems like he's less inspired. And Dak isn't. I, 
is you know Dak's going to get paid a fortune, but I just don't think that he is a 1.1 type quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think he's maybe a top 10 quarterback, but I don't think he's like a 1.1 or a 1.2 or a 1.3 quarterback in this league. Do mm. you? Um, no, I mean, again, this is he's three and one. Mm-hmm. They haven't played anybody yet. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they can't beat the great. They, they can't. They can't they, beat. They the have good a tough teams. time beating the good teams. Yeah. So we'll so we'll see how it shakes out. You hate to to write um, the whole thing just based on what you see right now. I mean, Saints stepped up. Their defense was fucking. In the last two weeks without Drew Brees to go at to Seattle and pull out that win, and then to come back and play Sunday Night Football against the undefeated Cowboys and to shut them down like that. That's impressive as fuck. Like they, they're rallying around their team and Drew Brees, similar to what the Brewers have done once since Christian Yelich went down. Um, it's impressive, and it's it'll be used. It's a good rallying point for the Saints as a team uh, later on in the season once Brees comes back mm-hmm. to know that they have a complete unit. Yeah, good I, for the Saints. I think they're still uh, they're still favorites to uh, to come out of the West. Uh, it's jumbled to me, you know. You got the Saints, you got the Rams, you got the Seahawks, you got the Bears, you got the Packers, you got the Cowboys. You got so many teams out in the NFC that. But it doesn't seem like the Cowboys are for real. But we'll get into that because yeah. I wanna, I wanna bring back a segment we like to call for real or not for real. All right, all right, run it over. Let's hear about last night. Alrighty, so Monday night, Cincinnati coming into Heinz Field. Uh, division rivalry game. It's so, always, always not fireworks. Not ready for primetime Andy Dalton. Oh, my God. He's fucking awful. He's so bad. How is he that bad, John? Explain In prime to time, me. too. Explain it's prime to time. me how he because can he manage one of the to be that passers bad in the league so at the one o'clock games. But you put him in prime time, and he's like, I just can't handle it. I just, just shrinks underneath it. the lights. And then... Explain that Pittsburgh offense. What the Wildcat? Really? Wildcat? Lots of Wildcat. Jalen Samuels took easily half the amount of snaps that Mason Rudolph did. I don't know what it I don't know what it is, but it's Randy Feekner getting really cute and thank God it worked in this game. But I kept thinking through the whole thing that there's not a chance in fucking hell this is gonna work against Baltimore. No fucking way. Baltimore. No way. Not a chance in hell it's gonna work against even Cleveland. Or, no, because once the teams have seen it, like when Miami did it, when they beat the Patriots years ago in Foxborough, whipping out the Wildcat, and then teams copied it. But once teams have seen it, they shut it down. There's a reason it hasn't. It's is not an effective offensive system in the NFL. In the NFL, right? So we'll see. I, I'd like I'd like to see them feed uh, Juju some more, but I, I like the um, the quick pitches. Uh, I think that's that works to get James Conner running in space because if he can get a little bit ahead of steam under him, he can make people miss. So it was good to see him uh, get some carries through that game. You know, he had uh, well, he had ten attempts for forty-two yards, but it that one long run he had uh, felt really good. And Jalen Samuels only had all right. So now that I'm actually looking at the, the numbers, we still only had sixty-eight. Yards, but it 
it felt like we were getting somewhere. Oh, it's because some of that is being uh, calculated as receiving yards because it was technically a forward pass on the yeah. on the little pitch thing. Okay, so they they were getting them running, and I think it was really it was really good for that aspect of our team. So where I'm at right now is the season's already fucking lost. But what if you beat Baltimore next week? You're in first place. The season's still lost. <laughs> But the Ben's, defense is good. Ben's done. The defense is good, and that's I'll be getting to that secondarily. So we picked up uh, Vanette. Yeah, Nick Vanette from Ohio State in Seattle. So that's really good because we never really replaced the loss of Jesse James, and I think that's really hurt us. And it's caused uh, Vance McDonald to be a little overworked, and I think that's what is – led a little bit to his injury. Xavier Grimble is not going to be the answer here. And Zach Gentry is a fucking embarrassment to football. So the tight end position for the Steelers right now is at a critical stake. So getting Nick Vanette in and he had a catch or two, he made a difference. He's a good blocker. He's not going to be a splash play guy is not going to make anybody miss, but he's going to get you the checkdowns that you need Solid. and and get you the blocking that you need a little bit down the field. My only problem right now with the offense is that they need to get Juju Smith-Schuster the fucking ball. Get him the ball. Force him the ball sometimes. It's okay. I don't know if they think it's okay, though, because they they're clearly not letting Mason Rudolph throw, chuck the ball downfield. He's good at it. You saw him hook up with... It was wide open, though. You saw him hook Deontay up with... Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. wide open, though, because they kept going short, 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 short. They're just afraid of letting him do anything 10 yards or more. I don't understand why. It's like they're still playing like, they're still playing like we're in this thing. It, it might you be. See that with the, the defense can... Shut down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens next week. Maybe they they are. Okay, so defense has kept us in it. You you before you look at the eight and eight Steelers that wound up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go. But it's not James Harrison and Levon Kirkland there. It's not Troy Polamalu there. No, it's T.J. Watt and it's uh, who's the guy they traded for. Minka Fitzpatrick and Mark Barron. So they're getting, they are getting the turnovers, which is what we had been missing. Wow, Johnny, Jesus! You know what? I'm not gonna edit that out. John just shit himself <laughs> on your on on the podcast. So you're welcome. Anyways, God, don't fan it towards me. Anyways. <laughs> They have they've started adding the takeaways, which is the thing from last year's Steelers, where we had all the sacks, but none of the none of the takeaways, none of the ball skills that we needed. Um, we're starting to get some of that, so I th- I they're keeping us in games. Yeah, but I don't think it is uh, the same Steelers team that went eight and eight under Bill Cowher and was able to pull one out. Okay, I guess that uh, that ties it up. Johnny, I forgot to I forgot to ask. Um, what the fuck is going on with Steven Guskowski? He has a um, a right hip injury that he's had since uh, 
early in training camp and he's trying to play through it. But yeah. They gotta sit him. He's one of the highest paid kickers in the league. Whatever. They gotta sit him. They gotta they gotta get somebody else in, let him rest, and fucking wait till clutch time. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're trying they're trying to work through it, but yeah, it's four weeks in a row missing he's an extra bad. point. He's bad. But he hasn't always been bad. But he hasn't always he he's not always, but many times he's missed big kicks and big games. Uh, ever since he missed that bit, the extra point, that first that extra point that he missed in Denver in the NFC AFC Championship game uh, in 2015, and then the and the Patriots came back and they had to go for two at the end when all they would have needed was the extra point to tie it, and Denver went on to go to the Super Bowl. Ever since that point, he's been skittish in big games, but it had just been some big games, and now. It's carried over to the regular season, but like I said, it's he's got some sort of right hip flexor issue that he's trying to work through. I don't know. It's bad. If if the Patriots were ever in danger of losing a game, um, that could potentially be bad. If they lost yesterday, right? Because they won sixteen to ten. That extra point would have made it a touchdown. So Buffalo scored late to win seventeen sixteen. Here we go. Yeah. But they held on. So, but you're right. No, the, you're right because there's an issue. Patriot. I think the Patriots' defense, um, low key, probably the most underrated defense in the league right now. Yeah, they're, they're fucking well. good. You know, it's fucking. There's just good. nothing open. There's nobody open. No quarterbacks. When they look down the field, there is nothing there. And then they they're just quietly dominating. You're, it's not going to show up in the stat sheets necessarily. Aside from, um, well, well, the that, score. <laughs> yeah, they've never been about getting the sacks. They're about doing your job, plugging the hole, and you know, just keeping your zone. They don't. They're not about racking up sack statistics. So they're never going to have a, a guy who accumulates a 20, 20, 20 plus sack season on their team. It's just the way that they, the way that they operate. They, Belichick doesn't give a shit about sacks. He just doesn't. But the quarterback pressures, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But the sack itself, you don't really care about. All right. Uh, let's move on to the week. That... <sighs> Having an issue, man. <laughs> let's move on to the week that will be. All right, let's get through this. Week number five. Johnny, take it away. I will be, oh, before you get into it, acting the part, uh, I will be Marty's consigliere. <laughs> Here for contested picks. So Marty has sent me his uh, week five picks against the spread, and I will, I, I guess, be in charge of deciding which ones uh, to gr- disagree with Johnny with. So. Okie doke. So Thursday night, we've got some good action on Thursday night. We have the three and one Rams at the three and one Seahawks uh, in Seattle. The Seahawks are one and a half point favorites here. Uh, the Rams did win both of these games last season. And let's see here. I remember I looked it up earlier, and both of the games were very close. And the one in Seattle was a two-point game that the Rams won. It's a tricky game here. If you're a gambling person, I wouldn't gamble on this game just because it's you know it's a division contest. It's a one-and-a-half-point spread. It's two teams at three-and-one. Uh, the Rams are looking to bounce back. I... I 
Uh, I'm gonna go Rams here. Rams plus one and a half. But that's tough. You know what? Since it's a pick'em, uh, Marty has the other one. So uh, we'll make that a contested pick. All right. Yeah, you definitely don't want to make a living. Like, I went with Eagles on the road in a short week last week, going to Green Bay, taking the points. You're not going to make a living taking the short week road teams. You just want to stay away from uh, Thursday games altogether, probably. Yeah, they're ugly. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Next up, we have Arizona Cardinals, 0-3-1, at Cincinnati Bengals, 0-4. Cincinnati is a minus three-point favorite here. Uh, since it's not a prime time game, I did see that John Ross for the Bengals is going to be out multiple weeks. AJ Green won't be back. Um, I'm still going to go Cardinals here. I'm going 0 3 and 1 Cardinals to get Cardinals plus 3. Cardinals plus 3. Yeah, because if the Bengals only have Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, that's not enough. Okay. John Ross is, is helpful because he stretches the defense, but if they don't have him, which they're not going to, it's going to be tough. All right, so next up we have the 3-1 and one Bills going to the 2-2 two and two Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tennessee is minus 3, and I love Tennessee minus 3 here. I would bet on this game if you're a betting person. I'll drop a dime on that game. Because the Bills just played a huge game at home. It was like their Super Bowl-type game against New England. So naturally, this is a a letdown spot for them because they played really well against Patriots. Maybe they think they should have won the game. Maybe they should have. It was close. Uh, Now they have to go on the road at the Titans, who are no no slouch slipes themselves, especially defensively. They are a very physical team, and they can match the Bills' physicality on defense and and, defense. the Bills' offense is going to have a tough time scoring points against them, especially if they are without Josh Allen, too. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of Tennessee minus three here. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Marty Marty chose the Bills here, but given that Josh Allen is out, um, I am disinclined to agree with him that they will pull this one out. So. All right. Uh, next up, we have the – it's a London game. This is going to be Khalil Mack's Super Bowl here. So it's Chicago Bears 3-1 versus the Oakland Raiders 2-2 in London. It's still a 1 p.m. start time here. Chicago Bears are minus 5 Is that going to be like a primetime game for them? I guess so. That's smart. It's better than doing the London game fucking early. Jesus. So this is the long-awaited Khalil Mack returns to face his Raiders. So... Uh, even if Trubisky's out, I like the Bears minus. It's not at. It's not at Oakland. It looks like it's at Oakland. It's not at Oakland. It's right. a neutral site. I like the Bears minus five here. Yeah, I, and I I don't think there's much of a drop off in terms of the offense for Chicago with Agreed. with Daniels because. Daniels is a little bit of a smarter quarterback. Mm-hmm. He he moves the ball around with a little more intent, and he doesn't have the same athleticism that Trubisky has. But 100%. Right. but those like garbage running points don't necessarily score you touchdowns, you know. So I think he's going to be able to move the ball and get first downs, and I think they're going to have a lot of success in this game. I I agree. Bears minus five. All right, next up we have Tampa Bay, 
two and two with their new revamped offense going to the New Orleans Saints, who are three and one. This is a one o'clock game. The Saints are favored by three points here. Is this is is this a surprising line to you? Saints minus three at home against Tampa Bay. Well, considering the amount of points that the Buccaneers put up in this week, I think they're kind of fudging the line. This is mind blowing to me, though. You, you, any other time, like you ever said to me, the Saints are only minus three against the Bucks. I say you're crazy. Give me the Saints minus three. I'll bet a million on it. But maybe, maybe the Bruce Arians' offense is for real. I mean, you know the the line makers in Vegas. Something's weird here. I'm gonna go Saints minus three, just because it seems crazy to me. Yeah, but it could be one of those trap spots. It could be, but I just don't. The Cowboys couldn't get anything done against the Saints last week. Granted, it was prime time. This is only a one o'clock game, so maybe it's a letdown spot for the Saints, and the Buccaneers can come in there and steal one. But I think that the Saints will be awoke woke to the the letdown spot because the Buccaneers did just win at the Rams. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, hey, maybe these team isn't the joke we thought they were. Let's be ready right. for them. So I'm sticking Saints minus three. Yep. I like it. What's the over-under in this game? It's only 47. That's strange. Okay. Uh, next up, we have the 2-2 two and two Minnesota Vikings at the New Look New York Giants 2-2. Two and two. The Vikings are five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road coming into New York. I love the Giants plus five and a half here. I really do. I feel like there's some turmoil in Minnesota right now, and I feel like things are really good in New York right now. The fan base is, like I said, going crazy for this team. Uh, There's a lot of good energy there. I I like the Giants plus five and a half here at home. I do. All right, next up we have the 0-3 New York Jets at the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 2-2. And this is a big spread here. We got Philadelphia's minus 13 and a half. Uh, yeah, Philly's had about nine, ten days to prepare for this game. The Jets are uh, hashtag not good. I'm going to go Philly minus 13 and a half. Okay. With no Darnold. I'm not sure we're going to get enough contested picks here. All right, next up is another big one. We have the 4-0 Patriots traveling to Washington to face the 0-4 Redskins. Patriots are minus 15 here. Um, Jay Gruden announced today that he's probably not. He's probably going to wait until Friday to announce the starting quarterback because he has no idea who it's going to be. That can't be a good sign. So who's getting the reps? Who knows? So I'm going to go Pats minus 15 here. I think the Patriots bounce back this week, and I think the offense looks better against this wretched Redskins team. Um, and the Redskins tank for two a season lives on. Okay. All right, next up, we go to Pittsburgh. We have the Ravens, 2-2, two and two, at Pittsburgh Steelers, 1-3. and three. Baltimore is a minus 3.5-point favorite going into Pittsburgh. Like I said, I think that the Steelers can can do I, The Steelers, I'm taking the Steelers plus 3.5 here. So even if they don't win, I feel like they may only lose by like 3. Or 1-2 one, one or 3. It's going to all depend on... But I think they're going to win. So here's here's the problem I have with believing that is that um, the key to stopping the Ravens, as we have learned, is stopping the run. Right. And the Steelers cannot fucking stop the run right now. Okay. Devin Bush... He's great. He's gonna be good. He looked great. 
had a sack, but he he often his first instinct isn't right. This game often is like your is. season right here. This is, this is like you get like an early Super Bowl here. Like, yeah. Is yeah. It, are we gonna have a season in Pittsburgh this year, or are we gonna just? Well, I mean, it could be if the division is any um, indication on how it's going to go. This could be a season where an eight and eight team could right. get into the playoffs for sure. Right, like I said, if they win this game, then they're two and three, and they hold the tiebreaker. And Cleveland, if they lose at San Francisco, which is like, uh, uh, you know, at least at worst a fifty-fifty proposition, you, you could be in first place, which yeah. is astounding. Well, Marty didn't pick this, but for lack of uh, any drama so far. Wait, you, you're going to go Ravens? I, I'm going to contest this. I, I think that... I think, the, I think that Baltimore wins this out. Okay. Because I don't think we're going to be able to stop the run. And I think uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be able to move the ball. And, and um, when everybody's covered... And the pocket breaks down. There's going to be a lot of room in front of him, especially with that soft zone. But don't they have don't like they have play. Devin Bush to follow follow Lamar Jackson around? Yeah, but they have him out in coverage all the time. So I, I think what they're going to do is they're going to load the set and uh, look like they're throwing the ball. And Pittsburgh is going to play that soft zone that they like to do, the bend don't break, and and there's going to be a lot of room up front. Okay. All right, next up we have the uh, expansion bowl from the mid-90s. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars, 2-2, two and two, at the Carolina Panthers, 2-2. Two and two. Carolina is minus 3.5 point favorites here. I would prefer if Carolina was only minus 3 here, but they're not. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Carolina minus 3.5. I'm going to do it. Lay that extra half point. I like the way the Panthers are playing. I like the way that the, the Jags are playing too, but this is uh, multiple weeks having to go on the road, tough places to play, and they pulled out at Denver last week. I, I don't think uh, they're going to go to Carolina and pull it out. So Panthers minus three and a half. Okay. Next up, Atlanta Falcons, one and three. At the Houston Texans, two and two. Texans are minus five point favorites, and I'm just going to keep going against the Falcons here. I'm going to go Texans minus five. I just feel I have no faith in the Falcons coaching staff right now. All right, next up, 0-4, Denver Broncos. Travel to L.A. to face the 2-2 Chargers. Chargers are minus six-and-a-half point favorites. And this should be – this is Melvin Gordon's return game. And – not that the Chargers have a good home field advantage, but I just think the Broncos are hashtag not good. So I'm gonna go Chargers minus six and a half. All right, a lot of lot of chalk here in Marty's picks. He's yeah. uh, not a lot to contest here. All right, next up we have a good game here. This is a, another big uh, show me test game for the Cowboys. It is the 4:25 game. It's three and one Packers at the three and one Cowboys. Cowboys are minus three and a half point favorites. Jeez, this is a tricky one. Oh, man, three and a half. Why can't it just be three? You know, I gotta do that extra half. I hate that extra half sometimes. 
Um, it makes all the difference, Shannon. It makes all the difference, I know. I'm going Cowboys, minus three and a half. I think they win by four. That's what I think. I think the Cowboys win by four. I think, um, you know what? Fuck Marty. I think that Dallas continues their downward spiral playing good teams. And I think Green Bay taps that ass and wins by more than two scores. Wow, that's crazy. All right. I'm writing it down. More than two. All right. Second to last game, we have the Indianapolis Colts, 2-2, two and two, heading to Kansas City to face the Chiefs at 4-0. This is the Sunday night game. Kansas City is an 11-point favorite. Um, Not a good Sunday night game. I wish the game was in Indianapolis because I would say that the Colts would have a fighting chance. In Kansas City, I don't think they have a fighting chance. i got to go Colts. Or not, Chiefs minus 11. Sorry, Chiefs minus 11 here. They bounce back. I'm, ah, man, I just, how can they? Yeah, Chiefs minus 11. Marty has the Colts. All right. All right. So that's good. All right. And Monday night, we have some a good game, potentially. We have the Cleveland Browns, 2-2, two and two, fresh off a nice win at the under undefeated San Francisco 49ers who have had 15 days off at this point. Uh, the 49ers are three and a half point favor- favorites at home. That three and a half again. Um, yeah, I like what the Niners are doing. I'm going Niners. Minus three and a half. Okay. And uh, Marty has Cleveland there. So it works out. We got five. We got five on. The rest right, was uh, the rest was Chuck, all the way through. But you'll have that with some matchups where the winner seems evident, but that's why they play the games. That's why they play. Okay, so John, we're here at the end, but just real quick before we go on, I want to. Play a little game here called For Real or Not For Real. And I'm just going to say a couple things and you you tell me for real or not for real and a little explanation if you care to. Uh, Johnny, Baker Mayfield, for real or not for real? Rex Ryan calls him overrated as, as hell. Not for real. Not for real? Okay. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Fun, but not for real. Fun, but not for real. Okay. Tom Brady? Please. <laughs> I mean, like, really? I was just checking, it, just checking if All you're right. paying attention. Uh, Bruce Arians' new offense. Jeez, some, some of these, some of these can be, are tough, dude. Um, I'm going to go for real. Jameis Winston has never looked this good for a two-week stretch. He loves throwing interceptions, and suddenly he's throwing touchdowns. He's not just touchdowns, he's throwing bombs. Evans and Godwin look like studs. The ball is traveling deep in the air, and it looks like a nice offense. So I'm going to go for real. All right, a couple uh, couple rookies to question here. For real or not for real, Daniel Jones making his splash in New York, dethroning Eli. I think he's for real, but there's a caveat. Don't let the New York media... Take him away and let his ego fly him into the next stratosphere. He has to stay grounded. 
He's for real if he can stay grounded. He has to stay grounded. Okay. And uh, Kyle Allen with the Panthers. I think he's for real. I do. I think he's for real. Or maybe it's that Cam Newton is no longer for real. Sad to say. So do you th- do you think um, Kyle Allen's success is maybe uh, he's not the answer, but the answer is no longer Cam Newton. So it's just highlighting yeah Cam Newton's failure rather than right. Kyle Allen's success. Which I'm a huge Cam Newton fan, so it pains me to say. Okay. Uh, and finally, well, not finally, but uh, finally for the rookies, Kyler Murray in Arizona. Is he for real, or is is the team just... This is a tough one. ...failing him? Um, man, it's so early to tell with him, but struggling. Uh, I'm going to say... Not for real. Not for real. But based on all right, so like with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, you asked me this question for real, not for real. Based off of number one overall pick type for real being like number one overall picks in the past, like Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? Like so, the standard is higher if you're the number one overall pick, right? Right. I guess so. And for Daniel Jones, he was a booed number six pick, and we're late in expect. So I guess I think for me, like based on hype slash expectations. Are you for real? Not for real. Not like like Kyler Murray, like in Baker Mayfield. Like they're okay, but I don't think that they're number one type good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they're not going to deliver on all the. I think you're getting some false promises with those two. Okay. And, and you know why? And it's it's being proven. Another thing to prove the point this year, which I could be wrong. I've been wrong. I've been wrong before, but. Oklahoma this year has Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was a transfer quarterback from Alabama. Hurts was the national championship quarterback at Alabama before Tua Tagliavailoa came along and took his job. Um, but with Jalen Hurts, Alabama had to run a very simple offense because you know he's not uber talented. And you know when Tua came along, it hurt Jalen Hurts' feeling because he'd won the national championship. But you know it was mainly the defense that won and the players, and not really Hurts that won the national championship. So Hurts ends up transferring, and he's now at Oklahoma. And guess what? Uh, who were the last two quarterbacks at Oklahoma? Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. It's uh, it's Coach Lincoln's system, and Hurts is putting up huge numbers now, like 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 video game type numbers. You know, and it's so for me that says you know, Hurst didn't put up these numbers at Alabama, and he didn't put it anywhere close to these numbers. And now he goes to Oklahoma, and in Coach Lincoln's system, he's putting up video game numbers like Baker Mayfield, like Kyler Murray. And I just think that that it's saying something about the Oklahoma quarterback system is kind of like I could plug you or me in there, Ernesto, and we'll put in, up some great numbers and maybe be the number one pick in the draft next year. And we're not going to live up to the hype because the system built us up to be something we weren't. Hmm. So, Kyler Murray, not for real. Okay. The Bills' defense, for real. For real. They are big, and they are fast, and they cover. For real. Okay. Antonio Brown bring out of the league forever. For real or not? For real or not? No, Uh, not for real. He'll be back in the league next year because he's not going to be convicted of anything. So if you don't technically do anything wrong by the letter of the law, how long can you not be in the league for? He's pursuing his lifelong dream of 
completing his education, though. He has never been the same since that Montez perfect hit. No, I mean, that we've, whacked, talk, we've talked about it. Yeah, that that whacked him out. Ever, it's something about that hit. Like It jarred some, some piece loose in his brain. Yeah. But he'll Probably be back in the NFL pieces. next year. Several pieces. Okay, okay. All right, Johnny. I think I think that'll probably about do us for today. Let's get a quick uh, update on the wild card game. Oh yeah. All right. We are looking at three to one Brewers over the Nationals in the bottom of the fourth inning. We got uh, early home runs by Yasmani Grandal and Eric Thames to make it three nothing, and then Washington had a home run by Trey Turner to make it three to one. Max Scherzer struggling in a big game once again. You see the new Clayton Kershaw. For real or not for real, Max Scherzer. <laughs> not for real. I mean, he's a regular season stud, but when it comes to the playoffs, get it done, dude. Like, this is your time. Like, you're running out of time. Folding like a house of cards. Folding like a house of cards. Every single time the Nationals get into the playoffs, they lose in the first round or the first opportunity because Max Scherzer and the team chokes, and it looks like it could happen again. The Brewers. How about the freaking Brewers without Christian Yelich ruining the postseason party? Hmm. Boring-ass Brewers without their best player. Speaking of choking, Odell Beckham Jr., Jesus Christ, lost a fucking earring in the, oh. in the altercation. Got choked the fuck out. Thought I was watching porn for a second. Hmm. <laughs> all right, if you want to yell at Johnny for fucking your life up because you bet all your money on his picks against the spread... You can do that at Green Mountain. Although Grand I'm Grand having good weeks lately. I'm on the rebound. The first two weeks were not for real. The last two weeks, for real. Yeah, actually, if we're going to look at the week that was, you went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 6 uh, on picks against the spread as we had them on Tuesday night because that's when we record. Um, so, for you, Johnny. Thanks. Yeah, it took me a minute to get into the season because I was baseball-oriented, but I'm ready to go now. Well, even still, it's been a little bit of a strange one. Some surprises and some key injuries. Another uh, quarterback going out uh, in Mitch Trubisky. Do you think that the league is going to have a big overreaction to this? And you're not going to even be able to... Uh, to wouldn't surprise me, but every year big quarterbacks get hurt. I remember a couple of years ago we lost we lost Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz. Or was it two years ago? That that was a big deal. Oh, and yeah, who was it? it was no, it was somebody else too. It was Wentz? I forget, but it was Wentz and Rodgers and someone else. It happens every couple of years, and they're doing all they can to protect protect the quarterbacks. But there's only so much they can do. Maybe just give them red shirts and call it a day. Something like that. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook at Green MT Sports, on Instagram at Green MT Sports, and find Johnny on Twitter at Green MT Grinder. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a good week.